About a year ago, a friend of mine shared an experience that was thought-provoking, and this experience offered my friend potential healing and positive transformation. This experience was called a medicine reading with a seeress named Deborah Hannikamp. Deborah is also known as Mama Medicine. Intrigued, I reached out to Deborah to invite her to be on my podcast. I wanted to learn more about her and what she does, and I know that others would also enjoy listening to our conversation. She graciously accepted and came to my apartment last February for our first meeting over a cup of tea. Throughout the conversation, you may notice standard New York City background noise, including sirens. To start, here's Deborah explaining what a medicine reading is. In a medicine reading, you come in, we sit together, I read your aura, I tell you what I see coming up in your auric field in an in-depth way. You could have a specific intention or something you're looking to call in or clear out that we could focus that around, or it could just be in general, I'll tell you what I see coming up. And then you lay down on a bed of crystals uh, that emits infrared rays, and you do a specific breathing exercise. And I send distance healing and chakra balancing your way, and also do a lot of sound healing through uh, the Icaros, which are the medicine songs that I learned in the Peruvian Amazon, and um, in different instruments. Um, and different crystals will be placed on your body. But basically, you in, in scent. I mean, there's a lot of different elements that are used. But basically, you... To basically rebalance. Yeah, yeah. You, you can... I mean, some people come and they feel nothing. But usually, it's a very out-of-body experience because I'm calling your spirit up out of your body, balancing everything out, and putting it back down. Deborah and I proceeded to talk about various topics, such as auras, which are energy fields that we generate and that can be seen as colors by some people, including Deborah. Deborah and I also talked about spirits, which she also sees, destiny, what we can learn from hardship, including diseases, and more. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. I know I will continue to revisit it. Hello and welcome. I'm Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of the book A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, and now host of the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast, where I sit down with everyone from beekeepers to teachers, chefs to doctors, and all of the mothers, fathers, and children in between. Collectively, we'll learn tips and tricks for practical non-toxic living. I look forward to sharing my humbling and never-ending journey with all of you. So I have to say, I've been doing yoga for quite a while, so I've already entered that realm of being tied to ancient traditions and different ancient tools for healing, self-healing and um, self-discovery, but I still am... I had to look up certain terms as I was reading about your background, mm-hmm. like Reiki, which I've always heard about, but I didn't really understand, and what exactly is a shaman. Mm-hmm. And so I loved, I figure I'm probably not the only one who would really love to hear more discussion on what you've studied. And I loved 
this video you had on your website where you talk about studying yoga and Reiki and um, being in the Amazon to, to study under a shaman and then you just realized you're just supposed to be you and I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, it was, you know, such a long journey kind of back to myself in a way. When I was 17, I had a series of three really strong tragedies that sort of like woke me up and um, took me from being just like a regular teenager to um, really taking my sensitivity very seriously and, and in sort of having like a deep calling towards this this curiosity of the divine that I always had. And you remember being curious about the divine from ever since you can remember? Yeah, yeah. Was like, your family spiritual? Well, uh, they had their own form of spirituality. They were actually in a, a really strict, I would say almost like culty, Christian uh, religion and um, like Baptist it, it would be called Baptist but it was it was more than that and I would say that that institution is part of what added to like a very tumultuous upbringing for me mm -hmm. um, but I always knew that like that wasn't the way you know yeah. like I had a really strong example of basically like um, non-tolerance being not what spirituality is, yeah. you know? And that spirituality is more for exploring, be open, and really show up for each other and be kind to each other and, and not necessarily like if you're not this one exact way, then you're not, you know, able to be um, spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so at 17, I, I had already walked away from the religion when I was 12 and from 12 to 17 were very hard very rebellious you know um, living on my own at that age kind of years uh, because I was like oh, this, this is terrible I'm leaving it um, and really like stood strong to like uh, being rebellious against what I felt like was very very wrong mm -hmm. uh, and then at 17, I, I, after these three strong tragedies, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not needing to be rebellious in a way that is self-destructive any longer. Now I'm going to take that rebellion and just let it be my strength and, and let it be from my light. And um, that's when I got really into first vegetarianism, and that was more of a spiritual decision for me just because I love animals. And then um, not eating meat led me to actually Zen meditation. Um, and then Zen meditation led me into yoga. And yoga just like took my heart. I loved it yeah. so much. And Ayurveda, and I, I, I took yoga teacher trainings and I, um, I mean, I ended up teaching yoga, then I ended up teaching my own yoga teacher trainings, and I had my own yoga studio and healing center. Uh, and then I started traveling back and forth to Thailand. Over the course of five years, I studied Reiki, which is um, 
a form of energy healing where you just channel light to a person. Okay. So do you you sense where there are imbalances in someone's body and then that and then you channel light into the areas that would benefit? Yes. Um, Well traditionally in Reiki there's like a set of hand positions that you use so the whole body gets light and all the organs and things like that Um, and then you kind of feel around for if there's any energy blocks anywhere and then you clear them with light. It's a really beautiful, very relaxing practice and it's it's really nice how anyone can do it, you know. Um, Yeah, and I learned in Thailand and also I learned how to do psychic surgery where you like go in and you get like, you ask these different guides and guardians for specific tools to remove any kind of particular blocks like, um, for example, someone could have like what would look like a shackle on their ankle. And do you, you see this? Yeah, yeah. And then that will I'll get like specific tools to remove it. And sometimes even get messages on exactly what that shackle means to that person. Like for example, you know, um, you gotta break more of dad's rules or something like that. Maybe something wow. that'll come through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and do you see these things right away or during a session as you're like being aligned with? Yeah. So it's interesting. I would say there's different levels. Like first, it would be uh, when I like when I sit with you, right? I see just a lot of green and gold around you. So I see like you're very compassionate. You're very protective. Like, but if then I was really to sit with you, I would really look and I would see what the different vibrations in your aura we're saying mm-hmm. so like for example if there's stuff coming up in your relationship like if you felt like you weren't being seen in your relationship I will tell you I see that and we would go from there and that's part of the the first part of the medicine reading is just I look and I tell you what the different little things coming up in your auric field are mm-hmm. and explain them to you and how what contributes to one's aura field well, the aura changes. <clears throat> it's not always the same. It's not always just like one solid color either. So I think it, it's like what you're going through in life, that's what your aura will, will represent. But then there will be like a color around people or a level of um, space around people that is usually pretty consistent. Like for example, my husband, he he pretty consistently has like an opal aura, you know? And then if something is, oh, if he's not feeling well, it'll turn like yellow ochre or something wow. like that. But pretty consistently he has opal around him. Um, but I think that like if we're going through, if, if we're like really super stressed out and we're going through like a, a lot of material difficulty, the aura will just be small and red, you know? 
Um, and if we're feeling like really inspired and really expansive and, and happy, there will be a lot of orange and, and, and the aura will be very fast. So it changes. Wow. Yeah. So as a child, you would see the aura and it evolves. And that must be amazing as a child. But the thing is that nobody ever was like, no, that's just your imagination. Did you tell anyone as a child? No. I just thought everybody just saw, saw people that way. Saw people that way. And then right when, like around 11, I would start talking to my friends about like the different colors around them. And they would be like, what are you talking about? So can you talk about what exactly is a shaman? Yeah, so it's an interesting word, shaman, you know? Like, in Peru, they don't use the word shaman. They don't call themselves shaman. They call themselves curers or healers. And um, when you get, a, like, an initiation into that form of shamanism, uh, you become a curer, you know? Uh, not a, a shaman, but... Shaman, that word now is like very widespread, and I think it is describing anyone who is using sort of like ancient techniques to access the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. um, but the word shaman originates from a tribe in Siberia who would have a very specific way of doing soul retrieval, where if someone has a, a fear a part of their soul goes and hides and then they would go into the spirit world, find the soul and then bring it back to the person. That technique comes up in several different forms of shamanism uh, around the world. Um, but the, the original word shaman comes from that tribe in Siberia. Okay. And now it's just like widespread. It's the, the definition has kind of changed. It's just like widespread to anyone who is using these ancient techniques to access the Okay, so to make sure I understand, it original it originated with this tribe in Siberia, but um, cultures from around the world have sort of developed their own tools and approaches mm -hmm. to retrieve parts of the soul that can get lost in the spirit world for whatever for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. So this just raises like so many cool questions about um, I think spirituality, our purpose, uh, the soul. So from this perspective, from the perspective of a shaman is does a person have one soul? Mm -hmm. Yes, but it can have parts. It can, and ideally, it's all it's all together. It's cohesive. Um, but if we experience trauma, it can become fragmented, and a part of that soul can it can go away to hide. And even um, if it becomes fragmented, even some believe that like there will be like a dark being that is keeping that, keeping that soul in, in that place. So 
the soul goes away to hide and sort of gets captured and put in like a spirit jail. Um, <clears throat> Is the intention of that spirit to protect? No. 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 It's interesting how sometimes when we are afraid, we try to find ways to protect ourselves, but they're not always good for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm talking about like in you know the material world and the spiritual world, you know, like um, like if you're watching a scary movie and you see the person going like exactly into the trap, like out of fear, they're they're running frantically into the trap that they mm -hmm. shouldn't be going into, and the whole time you're like, no, 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 don't go there. Mm -hmm. it, it's very similar um, in the spirit world, you know. Um, because fear is basically the opposite of love. When we are existing and operating in a, in a place from love, then we are so protected and we are so safe, you know? And protected by these, by spirits who are there to support. Well, yes, also by spirits who are there to support. Um, but it is the love that is within us that attracts those spirits to support us. Okay, so um, we attract certain energies. Oh, yes. Spirits. Oh, yes. And are these spirits related to us somehow, either through ancestry or the feelings we choose to embody or feel or attitudes we choose to have? Or are there just like general, can you shed light on this? On the spirit world, and, yeah, and even like good and good and evil, mm -hmm. is it mostly good? Well, um, I have very a very interesting view on good and evil in general. Like I, I think that um, there is definitely light and and dark, right? Um, but I think that if we if we avoid the dark dark places within ourselves, within our emotions, you know, if, if we avoid that, then it just sort of grows. But if we look at it, we really see it, we really sit with it, then um, we can gain wisdom from it. Um, so obviously we all want to exist and operate in the light, right? But the only way to do that is to acknowledge the dark, right? you know, to know that it's there. When we know the dark, we can know the light too. And we all have light and shadow within us. Even if we are like, a, um, you know, a super philanthropic, compassionate, like joyous person, we still have shadow, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, sh the shadow is there to teach us so our spirits can grow, so we can become wiser. So... <clears throat> With the spirit realm, we have a lot of light around us if, that, if, if love is something we're cultivating in our life. If we're asking ourselves, as we look at our shadows, is there love for this too? If we're, if we're trying to grow compassion and move away from conflict and, and just become more unified within ourselves, then in the spirit realm, we're attracting more of our guardians. Um, ancestors 
are often around people. Ancestors can be there protecting. A lot of times this is what it is. They're there to protect. Or the ancestor is there with a specific message. Like, for example, I just saw a woman the other day whose mother was around her and really trying to encourage her to move forward in a new relationship, you know. Um, ancestors can also be around us because there's something within our lineage that we need to really look at, and this could be considered dark or, or shadow, that we really need to look at um, to no longer carry it with us. So like, if it is common within the ancestry to kind of like, I don't know, ignore the children or something like that, an ancestor will come up and say, no, no, pay attention to them. They are everything, you know, and, and kind of guide the person towards breaking an old pattern. We also have plant and animal spirit guides and guardians who will show up to us like the animal itself usually it's an animal we feel just very called to and that animal will be around us um, and act as a guide and act as a guardian and the same with different plants um, and then there's different beings too you know who knows what dimension they're from who could be like kind of angelic beings and things like that then there's you know, there's spirits, there's people who pass away who don't know that they are dead, who are left behind. New York is filled with spirits. So do you see them or you just feel them? Yeah, I see them often. As um, are they, I do they look like a person or is it a color? Are they colors? It's, to me, Sometimes it will look like you see someone's shadow, <clears throat> but most of the time it's like a spot of light, like um, like a light being will be like a spot of like really ultraviolet light, um, and like a more kind of questionable, questionable energy would be like a, a gray or like a, even like a black kind of spark that will come up. Like, is it small mm, or is it like the size of a person? No, it's smaller. It's maybe like the size of a person's head. Okay. Yeah. And you see a lot in New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The gray, the gray color. Yeah, both, <laughs> both. New York has a very special energy. New York has a very strong energy. Why do you think there's so many in New York? Just because there is a, a high density of people. Yeah. Yeah. If all of these people here have spirits, yeah. then there's just so much spiritual history here. All these people have been attracted maybe to this spot on Earth because it's like a we're on a giant quartz crystal, which has a tendency to attract energy. Oh, really? Um, Why? Uh, I think that quartz, because of its clarity, um, but when you look into it, there's there's so much in there. Like if you if you literally just pick up a quartz crystal, like a clear quartz crystal, and you hold it up to the light and you look at it, there's like a whole universe in there. Mm. Um, 
so I think it attracts like the like the the people who love mystery and who are just like curious and adventurous and and this kind of thing like the quartz crystals in general will attract that but you know places that are on quartz crystals around the world also will attract that mm-hmm. yeah yeah um new york i mean there's there's so many people and there's so much history and <clears throat> a lot of people have a very hard time here they have a very good time here and that energetically just stays and creates the 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 vibe of the city mm-hmm. um so when i walk around new york there's like a lot of places i don't want to go into at all you know you mean like like bars or yeah stores yeah i mean like whatever the the spiritual history of the building is like i'll feel like oh yes i will go in there no problem or i'll feel do you, like, Oof. do you see it or do you just you can feel it yeah um buildings have a sort of aura around them too that like makes sense the statue of liberty has like a bright yellow aura for example and that's well expansive yeah i would say actually joy joy mhm mhm yeah what about um crown zero it's really rough there yeah <clears throat> It's really really rough there. I mean, I I honestly like I I try not to go there at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's too intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about churches? It depends on the church. church. Yeah. It depends on the church. I mean, most of the churches here in New York are okay, mm-hmm. you know? Like there's Yeah, they're they're okay. They're fine. Um some of the churches that I've been to in uh in in Peru um I had to go in, I go right back out and I think that has a lot to do with like the Spanish Inquisition mm-hmm. and and the way the indigenous were treated there. Mm-hmm. Um but also like some of the churches in in London and Amsterdam I've been to. I I've yeah. been like, "Oh no." don't want to be in here. Yeah. So places with a lot of history can mm-hmm. be difficult. Mhm. So if you're looking for a new home, like a new apartment, will a brand a building that was just newly constructed have like more clear energy because there isn't history even though like the the land has history. Yeah. it actually depends okay. you know um it depends who was making it who owns the building really yeah it um it like if it's new but it was put together by someone who has sort of like bad intentions i wouldn't want to be in that, that place where where we live now um my husband's really good friend owns the building and it, you can feel like that's his energy in the building yeah. and it's so nice you know yeah. but i i'm i just got a space in soho mm-hmm. uh for my work 
and it took months. Like my poor real estate agent, it mm-hmm. took months to find a place because we mm-hmm. would walk into a place and I would be like, no, the landlords have bad energy. No, it's haunted. And there's like also like you you can feel like mold in a space. Yeah. That that as like a substance has such a bad energy, mm-hmm. and yeah. So he thought it was really funny <coughs> walking around with me. So how influential can these spirits be, especially for someone like you who's so informed on how to protect yourself? Influential in what way? Well, for example, I I would think that walking into a space in Soho that would maybe you it makes sense for your work for a number of reasons like location. Mm-hmm. For you to just understand, to, for you to be able to see the energy and the spirits is huge, and then then you can kind of keep the darkness or the shadows at bay and. Um, that I would think you would be able to manage the spirits, but it seems like your reaction is, i just rather not be here. Yeah. So they really can influence oh, you. Because yeah. I'm just wondering, as a regular person, we don't think about how our space and um, even the people we surround ourselves with can influence us. And it's from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds very influential. Oh, absolutely. Even if someone is not spiritually sensitive at all, if they move into a haunted house, they get sick, they have a lot of discord in their relationships, they have like a, like a hard time in their job. It's sort of like they're working with a very, very difficult energy, you know? And I sort of think that for what we need to learn in life and in our experiences, we need to, they they would have needed to be in that house for a specific reason to like learn something or move through something. So that that's why I say like, I never really view it as bad, just a learning experience. And some of us need to learn harder lessons than others. Yeah. Um, I, I had to learn really hard lessons earlier on in life to like decide, okay, I really wanna have like a blessed, life you know um but I I see people who are not spiritually sensitive at all and they'll you know they'll be like come check out our new house and I'll be like okay and I'll go and I'll see the house is totally haunted and I don't like to say things to people because I don't want to be like by the way your brand new house that you're so excited about is totally haunted you know but then like six months after moving into it, they'll be like something feels weird or or something like that, or they'll get sick or, or I don't know. So it definitely it definitely influences people whether you're sensitive or not. Mm-hmm. For me, I would really rather not have to like constantly be clearing a space and be like kind of working against an energy. So the the space that I chose is very spiritually quiet, you know? There's just not a lot of energy in there at all, even though it's like on Spring Street, which is kind of like a busy street. The space is like just 
just open and clear and like just the energy is very clean mm-hmm. you know um and, and that could change too right oh yeah oh yeah like if depending on a new neighbor mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah depending on a new neighbor or uh yeah the people who like embody a space can shift the energy of it um you were asking before about like spirits being around people sometimes spirits that don't necessarily have good intention will find like a person to use as like a host and they'll attach themselves to that person and uh, they will sort of follow them around and the person will be like drained and this happens like often actually um and then that person will go in this space, but they'll also be bringing the spirit with them. And the, if the spirit isn't like cleared out, then the space will kind of have the, the energy that that spirit is bringing in. And, you know, I think even if you're not spiritually sensitive, sometimes different people you're around, you, you feel like, oh, I don't know. I just don't want to interact too much with that person. I'm not sure what it is or... I don't know what it is about this space, but I I just don't feel good in it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but to me, that's very much like something happening, happening on a spiritual level. So how are these spirits, are these spirits souls? Mm-hmm. Are they different? Sometimes. Okay. Yes. Yes and no, you know? When we're saying soul, we're saying somebody who was embodied and then passed away um and so sometimes but there's also just like spiritual energy I guess too Mm -hmm. Um, so both Mm -hmm. what do you think happens when we die it sounds like the soul never dies oh wow that's such an interesting question I think I should start with answering that I don't know but um, you don't feel like you know from these spirits I mean I think that birth and death are two of the great mysteries of life you know but I can I can say that sort of after death I notice that um a spirit will hang out for a little bit. Let's say a matriarch of a family passes away. Her spirit will hang out around her children, her grandchildren, she'll check up on everybody. She'll see how everything is going. She'll wait with the ones who are having a really hard time with her passing. And then when she feels like she has guided everyone as much as she can she'll transition after that transition i can't say i can't say i don't know i do really feel like within an ancestral bloodline and also outside of it souls have a tendency to come back So like a lot of times someone's child was their 
grandparent, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But in between the place of um, losing one body and after they, the, the, the soul kind of um, is done hanging out and checking up on everybody, in between that place of when they then get a new body, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I think that the souls who hang out around, because some some souls, <clears throat> or I guess you could say ghosts, uh, they are very, very old. Very, very, very old. Um, but the consistent thing I see with them is that they don't know that they're dead. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like... So they operate among the living Mm -hmm. and don't feel different from the living? No. Can they move things? Yeah. Yeah. I I think they're really trying to like show something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... Did you ever see this movie? I think it was, I think it was called Cloud Nine, but it was um, Tom Hanks was in it and Halle Berry, and it was the first time I saw the idea that the people who are in your life are meant to be in your life, and you have more than one lifetime to be with these people, and they can come back in different forms. So similar to what you said earlier of. Sometimes a, a child was actually, the soul was a grandparent or great-great-great-grandparent. Mm-hmm. And this movie played out that idea, which is such a beautiful, as a parent, it's such a beautiful idea that you have more than one lifetime with the people you love. But it sounds like that's what you've experienced too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that the purpose is just to evolve the soul. Yes, I'm pretty sure. And I, I say I'm pretty sure because I think that the moment we start dating things in this realm as fact is when we become like very dogmatic. Uh, so I, I am inclined to believe that our sole purpose is to experience love, to exist in love, mm-hmm. to be able to see love all around us and within us and realize that it's very much like an inside job. Mm-hmm. I agree. So my big question is, why is that so difficult and difficult for most everyone? I think because we, um, as a human family, uh, we need to learn the very hard lessons. We don't listen to the subtle whispers or, or the gentle nudges and guides towards, towards eat. you know, we, we're not really, like, yet attuned to the path of least resistance, you know? We're still trying to swim upstream with a lot of things. Um, But I think that as uh, some of us 
maybe one by one, maybe whole groups of people start to realize that it doesn't need to be so difficult. It's actually just kind of like deciding to make things less difficult is like step one on experiencing love and, and, and going with the river and listening to divine will rather than personal will a little bit more. Um, Can you talk more about divine will? Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, I think that divine will is, is love, you know, is like that source. And I think that like, for me, love is God, God is love, but it's not like this being that's separate than us. It's like in, in everything, in everything. Um, and uh, so this, this source, this, this love has its own personal will and basically wants us to see um, love all around us and, and to see, yeah, basically love wants us to grow love. Yeah. But we also have our personal will, we have free will. And this is why I don't give too, too much uh, attention to like astrology or things that are like predestined, like because you were born under this sign, this is what your life will be. I think maybe we could give like 30% to predestination, but the rest is free will, right? And from that place of free will, we have our personal will. And our personal will is the words, I am. I am this body, I am this age, I am from this place. And really I, holding fast to that identity you know, right. and then we say, okay, from this identity that I've created or that I've been conditioned into, what are the decisions I make with my life and how will that play out and how will I share and speak with others? And um, then divine will is sort of like, yeah, but listen, because it could be easier if you don't hold so strongly to that story if you just let yourself evolve into what the um, the lessons from the wisdom you've gained are teaching you you know let, let yourself evolve let yourself grow but you will have to challenge what that identity is you know you'll have to let go of the the stories your pain you're suffering, but we are addicted to our suffering. We are. Mm, I think so. Why are we? Because <clears throat> it's it's more comfortable. It's familiar. <laughs> I sort of think that we are also used to connecting from a place of suffering. Yeah. You know, like. Um, Do you think that's? been true for a very long time or that's a more modern day challenge was there more commute I, I just wonder if in the old days like the pre-industrial revolution when life was more simple if there was more community more intimate connection I think when we were coming from more matriarchal traditions there was more intimate connecting and I think that 
But it's also, like, not completely about, like, I feel like there's no mistake how we've been evolving as a human race. It's all been to find balance and create balance, you know? Um, Do you believe there are no mistakes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no coincidences. No mistakes. Mm -mm. And what are your thoughts? You've touched upon it a bit, but your thoughts on destiny. There's, because there's a lot of free will that can drive your ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so destiny, it's interesting. Like, partially, I think it's really important to, to pay attention to, like, um, but it's, it's an interesting question to ask, like, what exactly is destiny? Because if there is free will, then that means that our spirit chooses our mom and dad, even chooses the son that we're born under, you know? Um, and so, too, chooses the different experiences that we'll have. But then there's these moments that, like, come in and this could be destiny where you, you know, you meet the right person at the right time and maybe you, you weren't choosing that person or calling them in, but they just happened to show up. Can your spirits choose these things for you? Your well, they can, they, cons they can conspire, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <coughs> I think so. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. What is destiny to you, you know? Yeah. It's a good question to ask. Um, so I think, like, sometimes we we have, I, I would say it's like 30% destiny, 70% free will. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, some things really feel like, okay, this is, this is destiny, you know? Mm -hmm. But to put all of your attention on something being predestined, mm -hmm. I don't think it works like that. Because you see people who are born into lives where everything should work out for them. They have great parents, you know. They have all the support they need. And somehow they are not happy. They cannot find happiness. They cannot find joy. They cannot find love. And I think that that would be their, you know, that's their will. Their right. will is, is choosing not to be happy. But then you see people who are born into nothing and have no one and they they do amazing things in the world and they they change things and they find joy and they find love and it's it's an interesting thing you know mm -hmm. so yeah i i i really question luck and i really question destiny i question it and also pay attention to it, you know? We, we determine our luck too, right? I think so. I think we create it. Yeah, how do you think we create it? I think that we, we sort of attract good experiences when we're able to listen to like the subtle whispers in life 
or even like in our past lives, we were able to listen to more of like the subtle like nudgings from from love, you know. So there's inherited luck too. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can't say definitely, but I, I think I really think so. Yeah. Uh, luck or 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 destiny. I think basically based on free will. The things that your spirit needs to learn, the lessons that you need to learn, you will have the chance to learn them on repeat until you finally get the lesson and then you go with the path of least resistance, the path of peace, the path of joy, the path of love. But you you have to really listen and really learn the lesson first and then you're able to to come into that place and so like we see this with you know if you look at a friend who like keeps on dating the same guy over and over and over again um but in different people Mm -hmm. but it's like the same characters or something like that that's a good example of like in a cyclical way until you learn the lesson you're going to stay in in the loop Yeah. Yeah. So what is your perspective on health and how much influence one has over one's physical well-being? Because I, I, listening to you, I thought, I bet if you don't listen to the whispers, that contributes to disease. Yeah. Because I would imagine it ends up creating some blockages and you're just not as happy because you're not living your highest calling and you feel it yeah I have to say I don't necessarily give a lot of energy towards genetics like you're you're genetically predisposed to these conditions I think like energetically um, we have illnesses that come up as a way to like teach us something you know um like cancer for example right this is i mean different cancer in different places mean different things and there's a lot there um but our spirits could choose a family that is that has a lot of cancer in it but the, the, the common thread is that from generation to generation, what has been ba- passed down in the family is attachment to anger. Yeah. And so we have the cancer manifest in us, but really what we're needing to look at is like, well, what is this old anger that we're holding on to? Where does it come from? And how can we find a way to acknowledge it and let it speak and give it attention and then let it fade away, you know? Instead of try to like put, store it in places and and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, in your opinion, what portion of disease is caused from um, suboptimal energy. Almost all of it, because like, if we. What about eating the bad things? But or not if exercising? we have like an energy, like 
if we have anger, we're not going to choose the right foods because that that anger is going to be deciding for us, and so we're gonna we're gonna choose foods from a place of rebellion or even digest the food from a from a place of anger. And if we're having anger, the food is not going to digest well. You know, if we're in a place of anger, then the the we're going to have resistance to exercise, you know, right. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we can choose like, okay, well, probably a good way to clear my anger is to run, you know, and start there. We can, we can also choose to break through it. Mm-hmm. So I think that diet and exercise is extremely important to being healthy. But I think that there's also different energy that adds to our choices. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with clients who were diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and then had major energy shifts and then their cancer was, went into remission? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, there's been a few, but the people who are able to do this really have very strong will you know mm-hmm. and they're like okay like one um had uh like you know you have like basically a year left mm-hmm. you know we'll do all of the the chemo and radiation treatments possible um but it's it's a very intense cancer like a lymphoma Mm -hmm. Um, and through working together it was like okay there's a lot you're not saying there's really a lot you're not a lot you're holding back to a lot you need to speak to and a lot of what you're holding in has affected really largely your life where you've chosen to live what you've chosen to put into your body and these kinds of things but through a combination of being really strict with what they're eating um, and and focusing on health and realizing that it was like their suffering that was wanting to have more sugar or something like that uh, or live in a kind of unhealthy environment, uh, they're able to come into remission completely, you know? No more radiation, no more chemo, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of these stories, and in those cases, cancer was a real gift. Yeah. It was a real blessing. Um, I'm still trying to process the spirits, and that we, like, I kind of was wondering, does like attract like? So if you, you know, I think my four-year-old one day, at the end of the at the end of a Friday, I asked her, how was school today? She said it was both good and bad. She said the good, uh, the bad was that someone in my class kept saying mean things to me all day. But the good is I decided he was not going to ruin my day, and he did not. And I thought, what an amazing example of choosing happiness. Choosing to not let in someone else's stuff, you know, and... Um, but 
And my husband is really good with that too, choosing a positive attitude. And so I wonder when we oftentimes do have choice and that's the beauty of meditation. It, it reminds us that we can, that we have a lot of choice and it can affect the rest of the day after you meditate. But um, it sounds like it also, uh, there's a dimension that's not commonly thought of, but in maybe choosing love and choosing compassion, you then are also attracting different spirits that are positive. Because mm -hmm. I guess yeah. you don't need to learn as much because <laughs> you're more enlightened. Yeah, yeah. Closer to love and compassion. Yeah. Right? Because the, the, the darker spirits are not bad. You're saying they're just teachers. Yes. Yes. Scary, you know, scary. But we, we can learn so much from not being afraid of our shadows. You know, we can learn so much from, from not being afraid of our anger, acknowledging it, from not being afraid of our, you know, we're, we're, however else the shadow manifests through, through jealousy, through uh, insecurity, however it comes up. If we can not be afraid of it, if we can acknowledge it and say, okay, this is here, then we can listen to what the lessons are. And I think the more kind of insecurities or, or, or fears and worries we have, the more we can maybe have different spirits, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe just like lessons and things that happen in life, you know, but maybe spirits too who show up and say like, hey, pay attention. There's, there's something to learn here. And ultimately, I think the big lesson that we all need to learn is to just find a way to go deeper into our love. And that might be through finding a way to give more, you know, whether it's our time or, or our energy in some way, but to give is important. Um, or it's just, you know, receptivity, you know, also receiving the gifts, but whatever, whatever it is that can pull you closer to your love, more time with animals, more time with nature, whatever that is, then you are not needing as hard of lessons in life. A few months later, in May 2017, I led my first wellness event, which I titled The Innovators of Wellness. I asked Deborah to lead an opening ceremony. To give you more of a flavor of Deborah's world, here is an abridged recording of it. Spirits of wind, spirits of wind in the east, we call you here now. Bring us clear, heart-centered communication. Spirits of wind in the east, we call you here now into this space. Blessed be. Turn and face the south. Spirits of fire in the south. Fire in the south, we ask you to come here now. Come here now into this beautiful space, into our hearts. Help us to see beyond illusion. Help us to awaken our wise innocence. Spirits of fire in the south, we call you here now. Blessed be. Turn and face the west. 
Spirits of water in the West, water in the West, we call you here now into the hearts of every person here, every sentient being here. Spirits of water in the West, bring us receptivity, bring us openness, bring us connectedness. Spirits of water in the West, we call you here now, blessed be. Turn and face the south or north. <laughs> Spirits of earth in the north, earth in the north, come here now. Bring us groundedness, bring us nourishment. Thank you for all that you give and all that you forgive. Spirits of earth in the north, we call you here now into our hearts. Blessed be. Coming back to face me. Raise your hands up to the sky. Keep breathing with me. Keep calling it in. Spirits of above, the star nation, all of our angels, all of our devas, all of our guides and guardians, thank you for watching over us. Guide us. Guide us through this sacred gathering. Spirits of above, we call you here now. Blessed be. Let your palms face down towards the earth. Keep breathing. Spirits of below, our ancestors, ancestors of this place, ancestors of this enchanted city, ancestors of everyone here, guide us with your wisdom. Thank you for teaching us that which from you we need to carry and that which from you we need to release. Spirits from below, we call you here now, into this place, into our hearts, blessed be. Palms to the heart center. Spirits of the center of the great mystery, that which connects us all to each other, a vessel for this gathering. We love you, blessed be. The circle is open. Thank you. for tuning in. Join me on my journey for practical, non-toxic living. Register to enter my detox community at www.nontoxicliving.tips, where you can find podcast show notes, links, and additional free information about practical, non-toxic living. That's www.nontoxicliving.tips. Until next time.